Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Embracing Enough podcast. I've always said that one thing is for sure, it's that women and girls have some incredible stories to tell. And that's what we do here. We share our stories in the hope that it allows others to feel seen, to feel heard, and hopefully less alone. This is your host, Dina Skippa, founder of Enough Labs, and I am so excited that you're here. I'm an empowerment coach, gender equality advocate, motivational speaker, and a goal-crushing boss. And this show is your guide to all things confidence, mindset, growth, and resilience, all in the spirit of helping you to embrace how enough you truly are. Myself and some incredible guests will be coming to you each week to drop some gems. The goal is to offer you the space in creating a vision that supports you in your relationships, creating work-life balance, and be more aligned with your truth. Our mission is to help you do all of this while embracing how enough you already are and embodying the essence of joy, abundance, and permission every step of the way. Consider me your personal coach through these episodes and think of me as your confidant, your ally, and most importantly, your sister friend. Are you ready? Let's get started. All right, and we are back with another exciting episode of Embracing Enough. And as always, I'm so glad you're here. I hope you've been having a great week. I have been enjoying this summer weather, really experimenting with things that are just making me feel good. Um, And there's definitely been uh, some uncertainty around some things in my life, and I've been trying to approach it a little bit differently. And I think as the world is emerging and starting to get outside and come together, there's a lot of uncertainty in what that brings and how we're gonna feel. I don't know if you've been out there living your best life. Um, You know, not everyone's having the same experience and and I definitely definitely feel that. And it, it compelled me to wanna talk this week about uncertainty and why we are hardwired to hate it. And I think in the face of uncertainty, oftentimes we want to identify the solution because who wants to stay mired in the problem? And I think what the last year and a half really have taught me, it's taught me how uncertainty is not something that has to be feared. It doesn't have to be something you run away from. There's actually an incredible amount of feedback that can be gleaned and felt when you're sitting still with it. And I've really dug deep within myself and and I've been reading a lot around uncertainty and why we as humans loathe uncertainty. We like patterns, we like routines, we like structure. We don't like not knowing what is going to happen next. It's definitely been the source of a lot of anxiety for me, (laughs) a lot of sleepless nights watching CNN, not knowing what was going to happen. 
I mean, and how useful is that? And I think what is so uncomfortable about uncertainty is that uncertainty, our brain tells us it equals danger. If your brain doesn't know what's around the corner, it can't keep you out of harm's way. So the way that we worry and are scared by not knowing the outcome of something that is on our minds, it's like we, we don't like to be in that space. You know, will I get the promotion? Will I be accepted to grad school? Uh, will I start that company? Will I meet someone if I move to this new city? We like to know what's happening next. We admire others who are in control. We congratulate ourselves when we can learn to control our personal circumstances. But when it comes to us not being in control, no, no one wants to be in that space. What I have found looking back on the last year and some change and in talking to clients that I work with is that waiting for certainty can feel like torture by a million tiny cuts. And it's this experience of waiting that gets at us. What can we do to get there faster? And the brain would much rather prefer to know an outcome one way or another <laughs> to take the edge off. I actually came across a bunch of studies that have shown that you're calmer anticipating pain than anticipating uncertainty. And I thought that was so fascinating because pain is certain, but not knowing what's going to come, that's where the torture lies. And like I said, I think over the course of the last year, there's been nothing more torturous than how uncertain everything has felt the inability to plan anything, not knowing what month to month, hell, week to week would look like. Our brains were in this constant process of scanning and updating our world, making judgments about what's safe and what isn't, constantly on the lookout. Our brains, pandemic or not, are hardwired to discern, to process, and to worry. Think about it, it's like your brain is like this overprotective parent acting like a helicopter around a wobbly toddler, always on the hyper alert, wanting to make sure that they don't fall over or do something that you know is gonna cause them harm. But no matter how well intended, that hypervigilance can hold you back. When you live in that amped up state for too long, those alarm bells ringing at full blast, I am telling you, it can eclipse your clarity. It holds your well-being all the way back and it definitely doesn't create space for you to grow. And what all of this is saying is that that hyper vigilant state, that amped up state that you're in, it's gonna burn you out. And so many of my clients come to me with this all too familiar pain point uncertainty, whether it's uncertainty about the job, uncertainty about the move being the right decision, uncertainty over what to do. 
and we're so deeply uncomfortable with uncertainty that our brain will do anything it can to create certainty. If you think about the way that your brain makes up all sorts of untested stories hundreds of times a day, say a friend doesn't respond to a text, what do you think? Maybe they're mad. A supervisor is using a certain tone of voice with us. Oh God, they must be disappointed in, in our performance. Whether you are someone who leans more to the negative or whether you over-personalize the event or jump to some other kind of conclusion, it is what our brain is hardwired to do because our brain wants to keep us safe and sound. So we will do everything we can to avoid uncertainty. We want that certainty. We want assumptions or some kind of clarity to help us keep, to, to help us stay safe. Cause when the mind encounters any kind of disorder, it's immediately trying to organize the data. It's trying to create a structure that gives the quote unquote mess meaning. We want to categorize it. We want to make it controllable. And if it's difficult for you to tolerate uncertainty, I would venture a guess that chances are you expect a negative outcome. I know that I've been in that boat where I am already anticipating something to go wrong. I have definitely been that person. I'll give you an example. I, a couple years ago, did a boudoir shoot, totally out of my comfort zone. And I will tell you, I had a blast with the shoot. But it was hard to manage my mind around this idea of, am I gonna like the photos? Is this gonna feel worth it to me? And it was probably one of the earlier experiences for me where I was able to actually think to myself to change my perspective and say, what if these photos turn out to be incredible? I think because my brain has always been hardwired to anticipate and thus respond for, you know, sort of prepare myself for a negative outcome, before I specifically went out of my way to prepare myself that these photos could be amazing, you know, I had to really do a lot of work around that. Changing your perspective and reminding yourself that you might be surprised that something awaits you in the uncertainty that doesn't have to be negative. It's a game changer. And it turns out after that boudoir shoot, I was blown away by the pictures. I actually told a friend recently, she went through the same experience with this boudoir photographer and was worried about what the photos were gonna look like. Constantly thinking about, oh my God, these, I just don't know what it's gonna be. It turns out she was blown away too. Being able to reframe like this totally ups your uncertainty tolerance. It takes the edge off in the waiting. Like think about it, oh my God, I could be blown away. It brings balance to your brain's ability to handle 
positive and negative outcomes more evenly. Now, at the end of the day, we hate it when we have a problem we can't solve. No one wants to have a problem they, they can't solve. And I think to go a step further, some people get really irritated to know that someone close to them is struggling with a problem that they can't solve. Imagine a friend. She's back with her partner for the fourth time. Their partner has lied to her, been withholding, may have even gone as far to have cheated on her. And their partner says it won't happen again and your friend believes them and decides to give the relationship another shot. And we as their friend are watching and we want to claw their fucking eyes out. <laughs> we want to tell our friend that she is too smart for this shit. Maybe you take the direct approach and maybe you tell her that. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you veil your judgment through sentences like, uh, why don't you move on? Or you should just end it. And we might genuinely think that we're helping because we think that these well-meaning solutions are going to help our friend get out of that, what we perceive as a terrible relationship. And we're fixing her problems because it, ultimately we know it's going to make her feel better. But it's actually not solving anything. In fact, it just may have made this friend feel even worse. And what's happening in that experience around not being comfortable with a friend who's going through something that is just nothing but uncertain, it's our discomfort with uncertainty that not only affects the problems that we're dealing with in our own lives, but it's also present when we try to fix other people's problems. Even when it comes with nothing but loving intention. We problem solve for our need to control because the problem makes us uncomfortable. Hearing about her shitty relationship makes us feel bad because a problem without a solution is the essence of uncertainty. And again, as humans, we cannot stand uncertainty. We can't stand it. And it feels like we have no control over anything. So we have to find the solution. We don't like the feelings that their problems invoke within us. So fixing it alleviates our own discomfort. It helps us regain a sense of control over the situation. And honestly, maybe at the end of the day, we're just tired of talking about her relationship again and again, which is again here about us not her. Now that doesn't mean that we're horrible people. Often the discomfort that we're feeling is actually coming from empathy. We know our friend is smart and thoughtful and deserves an amazing relationship. And we hate seeing her suffer and we want to alleviate her suffering. But by trying to problem solve, we're just gathering up our own irritation or her our need to control our feelings or sadness we're trying to fix. So even when this comes from a good place, 
we're still at the end of the day ultimately trying to make ourselves feel better. Like I said, it's, it's even when our problem solving is coming with the best laid intentions. Doesn't mean it's healthy for the problem solver or the problem solvee. When we cast ourselves as the fixer, because we believe we have the answers, there may be something going on that's even deeper that we feel that we're responsible for other people's journeys or their happiness. I did this for years. Oh my God, I did this for years. I would be witnessing friends' meltdowns with being in a job they hated or disappointment in their partner. I would try to jump in and give suggestions on exactly how, how they should react or things that they should do. I mean, I, I considered myself a supportive friend, you know, the ride or die kind, but I had to check myself and realize that no one was actually asking me to figure it out, to fix it. But that sense of responsibility that I took on for my friend's happiness and the need to fix their problems was so classically unhealthy. And I was unable to place where my boundaries were. I, I casted myself as the fixer, the helper, the friend who could validate and show support and empathy for, for their feelings. That was where I think I derived a lot of my worth for a long time. But I'm telling you, if you resonate with the casting of yourself as the fixer, it is unsustainable. I mean, I learned these traits early on in childhood. I grew up in a family of, of divorce and addiction. And, and I think in, with children of addictive family systems, there's always someone who takes on the role as a fixer. And while you feel grounded in that identity that you take on because there's no shortage of problems to troubleshoot, that shit is exhausting. Because problems that might never be fixed keep you in this perpetual state that tells you that it's up to you to heal the brokenness or what's wrong. And the continued tension or the ability to fix whatever's not been fixed, you may end up feeling like you failed. When in reality, whatever is wrong has nothing to do with you. And there's nothing you can or could have done to make it better. What I'm trying to say here is just that our own discomfort to be present to other people's problems and wanting, wanting them to solve them comes from our own internal discomfort to be with problems. I mean, let's face it, it's way easier to engage with other people and help them find the solutions. But there are ways that we, we can engage with people that we love and care for and still validate them and show support and empathy for their feelings without telling ourselves that we need to shoulder the responsibility for fixing the source of their feeling or finding the solution. Trust me, <laughs> I still fall off the wagon from time to time but I have to constantly walk that line to check my own boundaries. All right, so I feel like we've unpacked 
the reasons why we hate uncertainty. Now I want to talk about that aha moment. You know, we're not going to stay mired in a problem forever. There is an aha moment that comes eventually. And, and I'm going to advocate here today that an aha moment can come from doing nothing. <laughs> the key to having an aha moment is perhaps not what you think. You've probably heard of that aha moment, you know, the, 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 the situation when something changes, you suddenly have the solution to a problem you've been struggling to solve. It finally comes to you. Now, what is the process that it's going to take you to get there? Are you going to agonize every single moment, worrying and, and planning and plotting about what it, what it could be and all of the offshoots of it? I think what you may not be familiar with is that there is huge amount of research and science behind looking at the aha moment that there's a lot to be said about coming to a solution by doing nothing, giving yourself and your brain a vacation. So Mark Beam, known as one of the fathers of neuroscience research, found that we actually solve 60% of complex problems with the aha phenomenon because a rested mind isn't stuck on the wrong answers. We have to work so fucking hard to reject our projections of what the past has taught us. We want to apply what has worked in the past to new problems or maybe the same problems, but in a new context. So many of us want to keep chugging along, staying in the worry and the angst like we used to do. We feel well, if this is a situation I've been in before and I have way more experience behind me now, shouldn't I be able to figure this out quickly? Well, no, not exactly. So many of my clients can't get to the answer that they want because there's too much fucking noise. They can't even hear themselves. A quiet mind notices subtle signals. Your aha moment comes when your brain is able to be still. It can actually process the information it's receiving. It's a way that your brain is, by being still and quiet, it, your brain is actually eliminating the excessive input that it needs to maintain focus. When I think back to moments in my life that I felt the most confused, it's when I was caucusing my committee, my committee full of friends, family, colleagues, the bartender, anyone who would commiserate with me, anyone that I could seek their advice and opinions. But those moments in my life that I have or you know, have been dealing or have dealt with, with some kind of problem or upset, the clarity came from being still. The aha moment felt came when I was most at peace, when I was able to lean inward. There's no denying 
that uncertainty is certain. Resisting uncertainty doesn't get rid of it. <laughs> the world will still be unpredictable, no matter how hard you try to pretend otherwise. And despite your best efforts, things won't always go as planned. But I think being able to sit with uncertainty, accepting that the problem or the thing that you're dealing with has something to show you or teach you, no matter how scary or challenging you think it will be, it actually reduces your fear and anxiety. We may get super nervous, hell, scared, to deal with what we don't know what to expect. But I promise you in the end, we discover things were never as bad as we thought, that we were able to get through it, and we already had everything we needed to survive it. And so this week, I will put forward to you to consider what it would look like if in dealing with something that's causing uncertainty in your life, what it would look like to give yourself permission to not try to fix things so fast. How would it look like for you to allow yourself the space to ask the questions, not have the answers? Giving yourself the space to measure success of the problem or the uncertainty of what you're trying to navigate as opposed to how fast things are fixed. Like really check in around how do you feel as opposed to how quickly you've gotten to the outcome. Maybe if you're plagued by conflict with someone you're in a relationship with or in friendship with or even a coworker, decide to do nothing. Do nothing. Sometimes we're so pressed to address it because we don't want to sit with the uncertainty. We don't want to sit with the discomfort. But what if you just allowed yourself to be with it, to let it sit and check in with why you're feeling called to fix this situation so quickly? I think being able to sit with uncertainty requires us to allow tensions to surface. And I think that's the pathway of learning to manage uncertainty. By not judging yourself, by staying in whatever it looks like until you are really ready to act. So with that, my friends, I will see you next week. Hey friend, thanks for listening. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there. So the fact that you check in with this conversation means the absolute world to me. So I hope that you will join us each week, every Thursday when a new episode drops, because really we're just here having a conversation, looking for new ways to test out how to show up as our confident, badass selves. Because when you think about it, it's all one big experiment, right? Your life can be the lab. You get to find your answer and what feels good for you. If you walk away from this podcast with one thing, let it be you feeling inspired. Inspired to take bold, empowered action on the things that really matter to you. 
So check the show notes and learn how you can stay more connected with all of the exciting things that Enough Labs is doing. And be sure to rate and review this podcast. You know I live for feedback because this podcast is just one of the many experiments that I am having a blast trying out with. And I'm just here to continue to remind you every week to never stop embracing how enough you already are.